You can grab a seat and welcome, or welcome back. Uh, my name is Jacob. I'm our teaching director here at Grace Anderson in our college service. Uh, and we are basically on the tail end, kind of in the home stretch of a semester-long discussion of how does culture uh, matter? Culture matters. It's very clever play on words right there on the screen. Because we've been trying to ask ourselves, where does culture fit in with our lives? How do we fit in with culture? How do we react to the culture around us? And tonight, uh, we're basically in one of the realms that is probably my favorite, right? We've been talking through uh, government. We've talked through like career. We've talked through uh, missions. We've talked through sex the last couple of weeks. But tonight we have reached technology, which I love so very much because it's so broad and because it's something that we are all actively engaged in constantly. Like there's no one who would ever say like, well, technology, I don't really use it, right? That doesn't even make sense. Like we're all actively using technology like at all times, right? You have it like buzzing in your pocket, right now, right? Like we're all in the midst of using technology. And what's amazing is that our technology has reached this critical mass where through our technology, through our advancements, we are then making more and more advancements. It's becoming more and more amazing to live in our current age, which is why we have amazing things like YouTube, right? YouTube in my mind is like basically the personification of our technology, of how we've arrived as a civilization at this amazing moment in all of history, where we have YouTube because YouTube allows anyone, literally anyone to just take whatever's kind of going on in here and just kind of get it up and record it and then just blah, and then pop it out there for everyone to see. And millions and billions of people could theoretically watch whatever it is you create. And it has led us to this moment where this YouTube channel exists. Meme. 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 Okay. Chipotle, Chipotle, Chipotle. Hmm. Pronunciation book. This is a channel with millions, hundreds of millions of views because someone decided, you know what? Every single day I'm going to put up a new video of just a you know, black text on a white background. And I'm just going to pronounce the word three times. There are literally hundreds and thousands of these videos, okay? Or hundreds, hundreds of these videos. They did it for years where they would just put up one word every single day. Okay, now I love pronunciation book because it is in and of itself just this enigma wrapped in a riddle that is hidden in the Bermuda Triangle that I cannot understand. But I love it even more because the pronunciation book then led to another YouTube channel. Nine-e. 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 Sean Toodle. Shh, on Toodle, Sean Toodle. <laughs> because the pronunciation book led to pronunciation guide, uh, which in case you can't tell, just horrifically miss, uh, says like all these different words or mispronounces all these words. And a lot of them, I mean, it's obviously like this complete copy. They do a lot of the exact same words uh, where just, again, just daily they put up these words and they just completely mispronounce them, right? Like, I don't know if like their goal was just like really confused new English speakers, uh, or if they just wanted to like see if they would catch on. I don't know if they just thought it was hilarious like I do. Uh, But this whole channel, again, hundreds of millions of views on this one YouTube channel of just words, these seven second videos of words on a white background. Crappy dime. (laughs) Crappy dime. 
Crampappy dime. And my all-time favorite. Chew-de-noofy-doofy-poopy. Chew-de-noofy-doofy. Nipoopy. Chew-de-noofy-doofy-poopy. Chew-de-noofy-doofy-poopy, right? And that exists. Like, this is a thing now. Like, this... This is in the world in which you live. This is a thing. And I love it. Like, I love the fact that we are at a point in our just civilization where this exists. Like, this makes me so happy. The joy is bubbling over because I love this. I love the fact that we can look out in our world. We see how technology has led us in an incredibly positive direction. We just have fun stuff. And you see people using technology in so many great ways. Recently uh, in San Francisco... There was this kid, you might have heard about it over like last, the end of last week. Uh, there was this kid who kind of made this, had this like make-a-wish foundation sort of wish uh, where he has a terminal illness, but his wish was that he wanted to like help Batman and stop crime. And so the entire city of San Francisco got together and they're like, we're going to do this. And they like sent out tweets and some videos and it just like blew up. And all these people were like vining it and Instagram and like they're tweeting it and thousands and thousands of people showed up to like cheer him on as like they had this guy dressed up like the penguin and this guy dressed up like the Riddler and he's like chasing him around. They give him like a Batmobile and the, the newspaper printed this like special front page. It's like Bat Kid saves the city and like all this crazy. It was amazing, amazing. And it's one of those things that's only possible because of the technology that we have available to us because of this moment that we've reached. It's amazing. And it allows us to do so much. But the truth is that in the midst of that positive direction, we've also seen the darker side, right? Like we've all seen how technology is used for maybe not so good of uses. Uh, recently in an interview, well, this guy I'm about to show you, his name's Louis C.K. He's a comedian. But he's in an interview and he's talking just sort of about what he thinks about technology. He's a comedian, so I mean, it's obviously has a humorous bent. But he makes some really keen observations talking about kind of how technology is shaping uh, his daughters. You know, I, I think these things are toxic. I don't think they, especially for kids. It's just this thing. It's bad. And right. they, they don't look at people when they talk to them and they don't build the empathy. You know, kids are mean and it's because they're trying it out. <laughs> they, they look at a kid and they go, you're fat. And then they see the kid's face scrunch up and they go, ooh, that doesn't feel good to make a person do that. Right. But they, but they got to start with doing the mean thing. But when they write you're fat, then they just go, hmm, that was fun. I like that. <laughs> so... And it's a really good observation, right? Because when we look out into our world, when we look at the technology that we're using, we realize that we are, in fact, losing a lot of our empathy. We're seeing that repeatedly in kids where they're contacting one another online and they're writing these horrific things, just these mean-spirited things to each other. And because of that, we've seen an incredible rise in the last 10 years of underage kids committing suicide because they're being bombarded with these horrific messages and these people saying these terrible things and posting videos and doing all this stuff and wrecking their lives. And these kids, they find themselves at this point where they just don't see the point in life. They don't think they can go on. They feel so oppressed and attacked and they commit suicide because of the technology that's available. We see rises in in identity theft where people's lives just get completely wrecked financially all because of the technology that we have available. We see a huge spike in the levels of, you know, pornography, obviously. But within pornography, there's been this huge increase of sexual slavery. Where these people overseas, they own women. They buy women. 
and they throw them into rooms where they're held prisoner and they're given a webcam and they prostitute themselves online. It's a huge multi-billion dollar industry because of the technology that's made available to us. Because in the midst of that positive direction, in the midst of all that good, there's destruction. There's terrible destruction. So what do we do? Every week, as we're looking at these different areas of culture, I want to ask you, what do we do? What do I do with this information? What do I do with this technology? How do we as believers rally? How do we change that culture? As we've been looking through the weeks, we've seen kind of an overarching theme of the idea that as we engage with our culture, we're supposed to be bringing in three core components. We have, we've been given by God his grace. We've been given his Bible and we've been given his church. In other words, we've been loved by him. We have his word and we have one another. So how do we harness those things to change our culture? We've also seen how as we are seeking to change our culture, we can't just sit back and talk about the things that are wrong. We can't just point and critique and criticize. Instead, what we need to do is we need to create and cultivate. We create something and give it meaning. And it's only when we create something new and fresh and attractive that we can change our culture. We change our culture by creating new culture. Something that someone else sees, a non-believer sees and says, I want that. We offer an alternative. So again, how do we do that in technology? What do we do? How do we bring those gifts to bear? Because the reality is that a lot of times when we are moving and acting and using the technology in our pockets and at our homes, Man, we use it without thinking. So I really just want to start by asking you to stop and think, why? Why am I using this? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I use my online presence? Because we're moving so fast that oftentimes we don't even think about it, right? A lot of times we rely on just our kind of gut reaction. We rely on our, basically our, our muscle memory. I have a buddy who's a, a army ranger, so they're special forces, uh, they're in the airborne, like they jump out of planes and stuff like that, okay? And so he was in town this past week, we got lunch, and I was asking him just sort of about like, how's it going? Like, what's training looking like? like he's been deployed a couple times, was asking about that. And, and when he was talking to me, he was saying how really he enjoys deployment more than he does training because the training is incredibly uh, hard. Uh, if you didn't think that like special forces train hard, you're crazy and because they do, right? Like special forces are, are nuts, and so they just like, they work out, they do these exercises, they do these drills just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? He's jumped out of like so many planes, it's insane because they're drilling into them this idea. They're drilling into them this, this skill set where they want them to be able to land on the ground, have to go to that house and get that guy or do that thing without even thinking. They want their operatives to be able to hit the ground and move and do without even thinking about it. That's why he told me recently in one of his trainings, they were jumping and something got kind of snagged or something messed up. So he landed hard and he broke his ankle just on the land, just boom, snap. And he broke it and it was like, obviously like really painful. I don't know if you've broken your ankle, uh, but it was really painful, right? And as he was in the middle of that pain, he knew though, he's like, well, but we got to keep going, right? We're, we're, it's a training exercise. We got to have a hike, 
So he decided in the middle of that moment, he's like, I'm just going to push on through, even though I know I could feel it was broken. He's like, I'm just going to push on through. And so they hiked six miles, six miles with like big packs and like all this stuff. And they're carrying like, I, I don't know, like houses and stuff. And they have all these things. And he hiked six miles on a broken ankle. And he said, yeah, I mean, it was like, I just didn't even think about it. It's like, I just kind of like zoned it into one part of my brain and kind of said, quiet, you part of my brain. And just kept going. I was like, you're so intense. Right? I got really scared of our lunch. But I was like, this is insane. Because he has this skill set drilled into him. Because he knows that's how he is supposed to act. He has this because he's re- repeated that action over and over. He goes, I know to hike. Right? We kept hiking and hiking and hiking. I knew how to hike. I knew how to just shut out those distractions. I knew how to shut out those different pieces. And the truth is that as believers, we are supposed to have that. When we look in scripture, we should realize that there are elements to our lives. There are actions that we should be taking, a mindset that we should adopt based purely on the fact that we are believers. That's what Christina read for us in Colossians just a minute ago. Colossians 3, Paul is talking to them and he just finished telling them all these negative things that kind of go away. He said, look, you need to cast off all these different sins and stuff. Right? Not to say that you can't sin and be a believer. Obviously, we all do that. But he was giving the Colossians advice saying, look, but you want to make an effort at least to like start casting those things off. Start getting rid of them because they're going to hinder your work for the Lord. And then he moves on into verse 12 and he starts talking about the things that they are then able to put on. The newness that they experience. That's why he tells them, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, Paul is telling the Colossians, he's telling us, as believers, we have have a new opportunity. We've been adopted into God's family. I have realized that the world is broken, that I can do nothing to fix it, that I must put my faith in Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I must put my faith in Christ to have eternal life. I have to put my faith in Christ so I can have a relationship with the God who made me and who loves me. And that when I put my faith in Christ, I have the security of knowing that I am saved, which allows me this freedom to live no longer under the law, no longer under sin, no longer under death, but instead freedom in Christ. And Paul says, therefore, live differently. He's encouraging them. Please act differently. Have a new muscle uh, memory. Have a new reaction. When someone wrongs you, he says, forgive them. Whenever you have conflict with one another, resolve it. Whenever someone's mean to you, just walk it off. Because Paul knew that our instinct, even as believers, our intrinsic built-in reaction is going to not be that, right? When someone wrongs me, I want to get them back. When someone does something against me, I don't want to forgive them. When someone asks me to do something for them, I don't want to sacrifice, right? I'm a full-time paid professional Christian, basically, and I don't want to do those things. Like, I, I don't want to sacrifice for someone. Someone says, hey, can you come help me move? I go, no, thanks. You know, like, but I'll pray for you. You know, I don't know. Like, I'll just soften the blow. Mm, uh, you know, like, I don't, but I don't want to do those things. 
Because the truth is that I am still human. I still have a sinful nature within me. I'm at conflict with myself. That's what Paul calls the old man within him, this old nature. But he says, but even in the midst of that conflict, even though I'm going to mess up, he says, you should still fight to change. Ask the Lord to work within you. That's why the spirit, it it bears fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We should seek those things, not because they're necessary for salvation, but because it's the sign of a healthy relationship. So Paul says, bring those things to bear. Let that just be your reaction to life. Because as as we're looking at our world and realizing that we are all using technology, the truth is that we don't use it in this way. Right? We don't see that. We look at our culture at large, and what we see instead is not this use of technology that is meant to you know, be uh, holy or compassionate or kind or meek. Instead, we see a use of technology that is incredibly selfish. Same interview with Louis C.K. The thing is, I, you need to build an ability to just be yourself and not be doing something. That's what the phones yes. are taking away, yes. is the ability to just sit there like this. That's being a person, right? Yes. No one can, they've got to, uh, you got to check. Because, there, you know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, yes. Yes. Yes, I. Yes. Yes, Just I know that, what you're that talking about. knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it. You're in your car and you start going, oh, no, here it comes that I am alone. Like it starts to visit on you. You know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it. And so you're driving, and then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of people driving are texting. Yes. And they're killing, everybody's murdering each other with their cars. Yes. But people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own because they don't want to be alone for a second. You never feel completely sad or completely happy. You right. just feel kind of satisfied with your product. Yes. And then you die. So that's why I don't want to get a phone for my kids. That's what I'm <laughs> Right? An incredibly astute observation. Honestly, that is an amazing insight into our culture. He looks out and he realizes that we are using technology in a, such a selfish way. That we are in fact bringing destruction on the people around us because we don't care. I don't care about that other person as long as I'm okay, as long as I get what I need. That's how we're approaching technology. But as believers, that's not how we should live. That's why Paul tells us, he kept going. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Paul is telling the Colossians, God is telling us, we need to be focused outward, not inward. That when we look out and we see the brokenness in our world, we don't just retract into ourselves. We don't retreat into our little fortress and try to have, you know, like feel needed or connected or, or funny or whatever. When I look out and I see brokenness, I don't freak out. I don't feel this forever alone emptiness and try to fill it by texting. Instead, I feel that and then I look and I realize that Christ gives me peace. As a believer, I have hope. 
that yes, this world will end. Louis C.K. is 100% correct. This world will end, but we're not alone. If you have faith in Christ, you will never be alone because you've been adopted as a son and a daughter of God. So how do we approach technology with this mindset? How do we approach technology with this outward focus? How do we go into this realm and create something new? How do we, in the words of Paul, do in word or deed, right? Whatever we do, how do we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him? How do we do this? Because it's not something that we think about often. In order to find that point, right? In order to get there, basically what we're going to do for the next 15 minutes, just walk through kind of what are we doing right now, right? What are the pitfalls that we're falling into? Instead of doing what Paul says, instead of living in a way, instead of using technology in a way that glorifies Christ, instead, how do we fall, right? What are the most common ways that we slip up? The truth is that most of the time as we are using technology, that we use it uh, either as a defense or a distraction, Okay, what I mean by that is when we use it as a defense, we are often using technology, social media, internet, all that stuff uh, as a way to defend ourselves against others and against reality. All right, when I'm defending myself against others, I do it in two different ways. Uh, I either lift myself so far up above everyone else that I'm exalted, amazing, or I push myself down and hide where no one can know me, no one can see me. I work in secret and dark. That, that makes me feel safer. So I'm either safer way up there or I'm safer way down there. You see, oftentimes we use technology, we use the internet to, to hide ourselves. That's why recently uh, Google rolled out this new comments uh, program thing or policy for YouTube. Where Google realized, hey, YouTube is like the comments section. I mean, let's all be honest. Like it's the most horrific just like thing, like area of our world ever. Because you go to YouTube and you watch a video on like, uh, like whale, like baby seals playing with otters or something. I don't know. And then like underneath it, you just see like the most like racist, like mean, like hating things like ever. And it has no, like makes no sense. Like, oh yeah, seals just like, I don't know, like women. You're like, I don't know. Like they just like say like the most insane things. And you're like, what's going on? Like why, why are you venting? And people get into the like, arguments and all these like big deals and, and they're just going on and on in these comment sections. And, and you see these videos, you watch like, you know, these cute, like my little pony, whatever. And people are, like having these big discussions about like drug paraphernalia and like murder. And you're like, what's going on? And it's so weird. And we see that and Google saw that and they were like, Hey, let's, let's, uh, uh, let's get rid of that. You know, like, let's not promote that stuff. And so they said, okay, basically what's going to happen is that from now on, in order to comment on a YouTube video, you have to have a Google Plus account that is tied to your name, like your real actual name. And all these people are freaking out, freaking out about it. And they're uploading YouTube videos uh, complaining about how dumb YouTube is. And it makes no sense, right? But they're going nuts. And they're saying like, this is terrible, right? Which it makes no sense because they're getting rid. I mean, it's effectively getting rid of a lot of that just nasty stuff that was happening. But the truth is that those people, they don't care. They don't care about that terrible thing that was written. They don't care about those words that hurt and cut. They don't care about that. All they care about is themselves. They care about defending themselves. They care about being anonymous. They want to have that level. They want to have that, that ability to hide and protect themselves. 
to where no one knows who they really are so they can say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do. It's so odd. But yet we feel that. We feel this need to defend ourselves, either by hiding or by lifting ourselves up. Right? Recent study uh, into like, it was like 19 to 26 year olds. And they just like had a bunch of them like come into a room and they would like get onto Facebook for a little while and they'd get off and they'd answer a bunch of questions. Okay, that was like the whole study. And so they, these people were like using Facebook, they get off, they were asked of just a bunch of different questions. What they found, what the researchers found, is that one out of three, okay, a third, one out of three of those individuals felt worse about their lives after using Facebook, okay? (laughs) 33%. Like, would use Facebook, like, click around, like, scroll for, like, 30 minutes or whatever. They'd get off, and they were just like, ugh. Ugh. And they just, like, felt terrible about themselves. Why? Because you go onto Facebook, and you see how people are presenting themselves, right? They put up these pictures, uh, because, you know, we've all got that friend who's, like, studying abroad in Rome or whatever. And they're, like, they put up a pic. Their, like, cover photo is them, like, high-fiving the Pope. And you're, like... Dang it, like you want to do that. And you're like, ah, ah, blue, ah, I don't know, something in Italian. I don't know it. But you, ah, and you get upset, right? Because you want that because these people are uploading their highlight reels, right? They're putting forth this false image of what their lives really are, right? Because people aren't just uploading like driving in the car. I mean, but some, well, I guess I should say some do, <laughs> but then you just unfollow, you're like unfollow, right? Like you just get off that person. But the reality is that most people, man, they just, they put up these amazing pieces of their lives, these amazing moments. And so we get on, we see what they're doing. We get off and we're like, gosh, my life is terrible, right? Like I'm, I'm boring. Right now, all of my friends are like having kids and stuff like that. So my wife and I will like see on Facebook and it's like all these like just nonstop baby videos. And they're all the same, okay? <laughs> all babies are the same. Just quote me, all right? So all babies are the same. <laughs> And it's just like, there's all, it's always a video where they're like, oh, hey, hey, you know, like their name's going to be something weird, like uh, coconut or I don't know. So they're like, <laughs> mom's like, coconut, look, coconut, look. And then baby's like, Ugh. and then you're like, oh, and it's like got like a hundred likes. And you're like, this makes no sense. Right. But people love these things. And you have a tendency to look at that and then be like, oh man, like, why don't I have that? Why don't I on that trip? Why don't I have that kid? Why don't I have that experience? And a third of us use Facebook, we use social media, we get off and we're like, ugh, I feel terrible. That's so insane. Because we are looking out and we're seeing this false image, this presentation. And honestly, most of us are involved putting forth these images, these presentations with little regard for the destruction that's being caused. We just approach these pieces so selfishly that we don't care what happens to other people. We don't care because we're entirely self-focused. Because we find ourselves defending ourselves against other people, which is not how our Christians are called to live. When we look in the scripture, we see that Christians are not called to raise themselves over other people or hide themselves from people. We're called to love people, to serve people. That's why Jesus told us, by this, all people will know you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, Christ said, you will, people will know you are following me based on the love that you display for one another. So I would challenge you, think about how are you using technology? How are you using social media? How are you using these pieces? Are you using them in a way that loves others? Because that's our whole job. 
That's what Christ tells us to do. Love others. But the reality is that we're not only defending ourselves against other people, we're defending ourselves against reality. Because the truth is that most of us have experienced some sort of pain. Most of us have experienced failure. And either our failure or someone else's failure has affected us in such a way that we are pained. We have baggage. We're broken. And many times we approach technology with the the goal of dulling that pain, of filling the gap that's been created. Feeling that loneliness, that empty, that forever alone, and we try to fill it with all the wrong things. My uh, older sister, she has a two and a half year old, a niece named Penelope. And Penelope is awesome because Penelope loves to run. Uh, Penelope, uh, she loves running so much that she just, you can just, she could be like crying and, in t- and just like super upset. And you're like, hey, Penelope, like, you want to go run with me? And she'd be like, <laughs> yeah, like just immediately like, okay. And you run. And the best thing about her running is that she's not the best at it. And so she like always falls. All right. And it's really funny because little kids, like they weigh like nothing. They're like made of, you know, feathers and I don't know, laffy taffy. And so when they hit the ground, it's not ever really like that big of a deal. Like they're so light, it doesn't really matter. And so they will run and they like hit, they don't see like the wall right in front of them. And so they just like, and they just like pop into it, like fall, you know, they lose some teeth or whatever. And then you, they look up, okay, every single kid, they do the exact same thing. They fall over and immediately they just kind of get up and they don't cry. Instead, they're just kind of in this weird, like shock stage and they find mom or dad, right? They look for a parent. As soon as they make eye contact with them, they have this like one, the parent has this one second window to where they need to rush in and tell them, you're okay, you're okay. Like, and like console them, like kiss their head and, you know, pick out the teeth or whatever. Like, and just like, you know, like it's all right. You know, and like tell them they're okay. Because if mom or dad does not strike in that window, they don't take it full advantage of that little just piece of opportunity, their kid's going to melt, just have a meltdown, right? And like freak out and be like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm dying. Like my pinky or whatever, you know, like they just freak out and they just cry and cry and cry. So the parents know though, they know their kid's not that injured. They just know that they're experiencing pain and they don't know what to do with it. That's what it really is, is that these kids, they're in, they have some pain or they're feeling something bad and they don't know what to do with it. So they look at mom and dad and they're like, what, what do I do? And so mom and dad go, like, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. It's all right. Because otherwise they just fill it with just need, you know, pointless crying and ah. And the reality is that many times we have pain in our lives and suffering and maybe it's our fault, maybe it's someone else's and we find ourselves not sure of what to do. Because I'm in pain and I look up and I don't know who to look for. And there's no one there to console me and comfort me. There's no one to tell me that's going to be okay. And so what do I do in that moment? Where do I go? And the reality is that many of us, we run to technology, social media or whatever. And we seek to dull the pain to distract ourselves. But it's not fulfilling. It doesn't work. We find ourselves alone and disconnected, especially in college. So often you wind up feeling disconnected from the people around you. You don't feel like you have good community. You don't feel like anyone knows you. And so many times we turn to technology. You send out that mass, you feel lonely, so you send out that mass text. 
Like, hey, what's, what's going on? You send out that social media request. You do something where you're trying to fill, you're trying to create some sort of connection. But the reality is that's not going to fill you. We've seen this increase in our nation of, of people creating these uh, online identities and going to like message boards or like social media or whatever and like kind of having a relationship, building relationships with people for like months at a time, months. And they kind of get to know people and connect online, all that stuff. And then a few months later, uh, they commit suicide, but like not real, like it's fake suicide just because they want to see the reactions of the people in their online community. They'll like post as like the wife or the husband or whoever. It's like, oh, so-and-so is dead. Uh, Just to watch the outpour of grief. And it's so twisted because we feel this disconnect. We try to go online. We try to use technology to somehow fill that, but it doesn't work. We see the brokenness in our world and we try to fix it and it doesn't work. I'm feeling this pain. I look up and, and I can't fix myself and my friends, man, they're in just as much pain. It doesn't work. We can't fix it. And what Paul tells us is that, yeah, you never will be able to do that. Instead, you have to rely on the peace of Christ. You have to rely on the Lord. He tells us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding the Philippians, God is reminding us, That when I'm in pain and I look up, if I'm a believer, if I've put my faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins, as soon as I feel that pain and I look up, I see my father. I see God. And man, I'm still going to hurt, right? That pain still hurts. Maybe I am feeling alone, right? Those, those feelings might not go away immediately, but I can know and trust and I don't have to be anxious because I know that I have a father in heaven who loves me and who cares about me. I don't have to use technology to dull that pain or to fill that gap. And even if we're not using technology as a defense, oftentimes we use it as a distraction. And this is one I think that is possibly the most common. And what I mean by that is basically distractions are very different from uh, rest. Okay, when, whenever you rest or relax, uh, basically that's something that leaves you feeling more recharged, right? Or like rested or fulfilled, like ready, like let's go. You know, like you feel good afterwards. Okay, that, that's what rest is. But distractions, it's really just delaying the inevitable, okay? Something that like you do it and then afterwards you still feel stressed or tired or worried, right? Like it doesn't do anything to uh, solve the anxiousness, the anxiousness that you're feeling. Uh, whenever my wife uh, goes out of town, it always throws me off uh, because, you know, we've been married for almost four years. And so just my body is used to having like another body, in our bed, right? Like that's just, that's how it works. And so I'm used to just like laying and there's like Susan, like here. Okay. She's like, blah, blah, that's her tummy or whatever, you know? So I'm like, okay, Susan. Right. And so I'm used to that. And so whenever she's gone or out of town, like I'm trying to go to sleep and like, I can't, I'm like, well, what's going? I don't know. It's weird. Cause my body's freaking out. Cause I'm like all alone in my bed. Right. And I've tried, uh, I've tried like putting pillows <laughs> on her side. And like, to like, maybe like trick myself, like, oh no, Susan's totally there. You know, like, <laughs> look, it's 
fluffy or whatever, you know? But it doesn't work. Uh, it, didn't, it doesn't work. And so instead, I still lay there. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, I can't fall asleep. And so what I found myself doing, uh, for, not for better or for worse, just for worse, uh, what I found myself doing is I'll just like wind up watching uh, videos like online, like funny stuff or reading articles or whatever. Uh, and for whatever reason, when she was gone, like a while back, uh, a few nights in a row, I found myself watching a very specific genre of YouTube video, uh, where basically it's these videos where, uh, a soldier is coming home. Okay. I know, but to his dog. All right. And I know, I know you're all, you're like, oh yeah, I know. Wait, what? Like that's, I don't know if that's sweet anymore, right? It's kind of weird. But it's real. like, I saw some of the ones where they like come and they like surprise their sister or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's okay. But the dog ones, I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty crazy, right? Because they get home and their dog's like, I remember you. And they like run around and lick them and all this. And I'm just like, oh gosh, you know? And, and it's one of those things where I literally, like multiple nights in a row, I like wound up watching these videos and like, you see the suggested ones. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch that compilation from 2012 or whatever. And I watched like just hours, literally hours of these videos. And I found, I like suddenly like look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like 3.30 in the morning. I went to bed five hours ago. What am I doing with my life? You know, like what's going on? I have to get up in three hours. Like it's this terrible like realization. And I wind up feeling like not rested at all, right? I'm still like, I get less sleep than if I just like laid there silently with my eyes closed, right? Like there's no reason I should do that. Like it was a distraction. It was something that just put off my actual rest and it just messes me up. And the reality is that a lot of times we fall into that, right? We find these distractions that we think of as like, you know, rest, but in reality, they're not restful. Instead, we just distract ourselves. We delay this inevitable feeling of, of stress or anxiety or whatever it is. And the unfortunate part about that is that we're designed for rest. Like we need rest. And so if I'm not actively resting, I'm going to be ineffective for the Lord. If I'm falling consistently into these different distractions, right? Whether it's like reading stuff uh, or whether it's, you know, finding like one of my favorite things in the world now are Vine compilations where like, I don't ever like use Vine, but like people have compiled those eight second videos into like, 30 minute compilations and they're hilarious. Oh my gosh. But I know, and I'm like destroying, don't listen to me at that stuff, right? You need to study. But there's like all these things. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I've discovered, in fact, this entire new genre. Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite ever. Welcome to Jurassic Park. time. Every time I see that, I love it because there's this entire genre of film where people will take these like iconic moments with these like big, beautiful soundtracks and they dub over it with a melodica, which is like a flutophone type, like just the worst instrument ever. And they make, there are hundreds of these videos from hundreds of different people and it's beautiful. And it's one of those things that I see and I enjoy, but my gosh, it's, it's not necessarily restful, right? Like that's, that's more of a distraction right now. Sometimes those things can bring rest. And I would encourage you the way to kind of engage with those things. If there are articles that you love to read, if there are videos you love to watch, 
if there's games you love to play, whatever it is, I would encourage you, plan it into your schedule. The best thing you can do is to plan your time. In order to protect your time, you've got to plan it. So build into your studying or work or school or whatever it is, build in rest. Build in times that you know you can take a break and step away and do whatever it is that watch Melodica covers because my gosh, that will, you'll love it, right? But like go and plan in these breaks. Have that rest designed in your schedule. Because not only does that help with your time, but the reality is that distractions are also constantly stealing our thoughts. They're so sneaky, right? They're they're less obvious when they get into your mind and you're spending time, not like actively like watching something or doing something. Instead, you're spending just your mental energy thinking about, right, your next post or your next pick that you want to do or whatever. Or you're thinking about that random person that like you knew in like third grade and now he has like eight children and he's got a TLC reality. You're like, what? You know, I don't know. Like you've got these weird connections. You have this weird information, this, these thoughts that are not at all productive. Like they're not useful. You find yourself knowing things about the world or, or whatever with this useless knowledge and it's stealing your thoughts. You're distracting your thoughts. So guard that. Be cautious with that. Plan out your thoughts. Maybe you need to start a journal. Have something where through the course of the day, maybe you write out a thought that you want to think about, right? something you want to meditate on. Maybe a verse. Maybe a truth about God or the world or, or whatever. Something that maybe you've heard on a Sunday or that, a podcast that you've listened to recently. Something you're discussing in your small group. Plan your time, but plan your thoughts. This is a discipline that we often don't use, but is so effective. I promise. Plan out your thoughts because as you do it, you will be much more ready to engage where God wants you to engage. Because if you're constantly distracted, man, you're not ready for what's at hand. If you're thinking about or you're checking your phone uh, on average 65 times a day, if you're in the middle of doing that, you miss on so much. You miss out on those people that you could have connected with on the bus. The random person you could have talked to next to you in class. The relationship you could have started in your lab group. Oftentimes we miss those pieces. We miss those opportunities because we're distracted. Either actively losing our time or almost passively losing our thoughts. So guard those things. Defend those things. So that you can use them for the Lord. So as we wrap up, I've got a few kind of pointers of how to then use technology for the Lord, how to point people towards God, how to build a positive direction rather than the destruction. But but the truth is that this is such a broad category. This is a topic that is so just wide that I don't know where you are. But the reality is that you know much better than I can speak into. So I'm going to give you some launching points, but please here in like a few minutes, really be intentional to think about what are the opportunities that you have? What are the realms that you live in? Most of us, uh, we have, you know, smartphones or computers or tablets or whatever. And I would encourage you, use technology for your own personal growth by taking advantage of Bible apps. Man, it's something that I know like some people are like, don't use your Bible app in church. Like that's not Christian or I don't know, whatever. But that's, I think that's so misguided. Like, please do that. Use that. 
Because not only are you able to look up references super fast, not only can you look up verses that you're not quite sure where it is without having to flip through this whole big book, but you're able to set up, most of them have like reading plans that you can set up for, it will will remind you every day, like, hey, don't forget to read this little psalm or don't forget to read this. Use that, take advantage of that. That's amazing. That will help you get into the word more consistently, deeper, with built-in commentary. Like that's, that's amazing. Use your technology to remind you to pray. I have a buddy who uh, every single day he has a few events in his calendar that are just like pray for so-and-so or pray for this or pray for that. Build those things in so that your phone buzzes. You look at it, you're like, oh yeah, I need to pray for that. That's awesome. Use technology in that way for your own personal growth. I wouldn't challenge you, use technology for others' growth. You have mass texts or Snapchats or whatever. Like you have these groups that you're able to communicate so quickly. Instantaneously, you can reach like all of your good friends, like, and even nominal like acquaintances. Like you can reach so many people all at once. Take advantage of those pieces. Have a group chat with some of your friends. Have a group me with some of your friends where you ask for prayer requests, where you encourage one another where someone puts up a thought they have or something that they learned in their Bible study. And it doesn't have to be weird and preachy if you all agree to it beforehand, right? Like if you just like start one, you're like, hey, everybody, read this verse or don't be a Christian. I don't know. Like don't be like that. But you can do it well, right? You can do it well. Where you have this technology and you're using it to push one another to grow. You're, you're encouraging others to grow. Use technology. We talked a few weeks ago about the way that we use art, the way that we create how we're creative and we create beauty for the Lord. Use technology to do that. Upload those funny videos or put up those pictures or, or whatever. Make your music. And it doesn't have to be overtly Christian, all centered on like Jesus or like baby sheep. And like, you don't have to do that. Just make it excellent. Make it good. Make it beautiful. And God will use that to start conversations, to begin discussions, to bring others to him. Represent him well to encourage others to grow towards and provide that direction for other people. And ultimately, I would encourage you every once in a while, one of the best things you can do with technology is to just unplug. One of our staff members, Sarah DeGroat, uh, who often sings here at the evening service, uh, one of her things that I love that she does is every day she has this discipline where she wakes up and before she goes to her phone, right, that has lots of texts and emails and all that junk, before she looks at her computer, Instead, she goes straight to the word. She doesn't look at her phone. She doesn't look at her computer. She doesn't look at anything until she spends time with God, either reading or praying every day. Do that. Have a moment in your schedule where you just step away. You turn your phone off. You put on do not disturb. Shut your computer. Spend time with the Lord. Because when you rest from technology in that way, you come back more refreshed, more, more, more energetic, more able to use technology for him. So as we sing just a couple more songs, I would encourage you, think about these pieces. Ask the Lord, where can you use technology to either create your own growth or to push others to grow? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you again that you have created all things and that God, you you work all things together for our good. God, we know that you love us. God, we know that 
you have a plan for each of us. God, we just ask that we would be faithful to stay in line with that plan. That God, we would seek you. That God, we would try to live for you in every realm of our life. Whether it's school or work or family or God, the ways that we use technology. If you would take a moment right now and just ask the Lord to show you maybe where you're causing destruction. Ask the Lord to convict you. Show you where you have flippantly and selfishly used technology. Ask him to not only show you those things, but to then give you an opportunity to uh, ask for forgiveness or, or give you an opportunity to change those ways, to repent. Ask the Lord to move through you, to create a new direction, either for your own growth or for someone else.